Welcome, teacher friend. I'm Lori. And I'm Melissa. We are two literacy educators in Baltimore. We want the best for all kids, and we know you do too. Our district recently adopted a new literacy curriculum, which meant a lot of change for everyone. Lori and I can't wait to keep learning about literacy with you today. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Melissa and Lori Love Literacy Literacy Podcast. We are thrilled to be here with such a fun guest who we met via Instagram. So we are happy that he has agreed to podcast with us and share all of his experiences and all of the cool things that he's doing with other dads with literacy with us and with you. So uh, today we're going to talk about the science of reading. We're going to talk about the mental health impact of uh, students not you know, having the ability to read due to the lack of the science of reading being implemented. We're going to talk about a literacy book club, a cool book club for dads. And uh, Melissa, I know that you haven't met Trey in the pre-call, so this is your first go around. I think you're going to love him. Uh, I mean, I know I will first because yeah. I mean he's Mr. Lit on Instagram. Mr. So Lit, <laughs> he's like famous. It's the coolest uh, thing ever. <laughs> and I've watched his book club videos several times on on YouTube. So I yeah, and we're gonna do, link that the book club in the show notes. <laughs> yeah, I know. I feel like we know. We're gonna link your book club in the show notes. We're going our video. We're going to link um, everything we talk about today because I know everybody's going to want to find you. So we'll also link link how they can find you on Instagram and Twitter and everywhere else. Awesome. Well, welcome, Lily. welcome Trey, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, real name Trey, not Mister Lit, <laughs> not Mister Lit. Although you are Lit. Um, uh, th- thank you, Lori and Melissa, um, for having me. You know, on your uh, Love Literacy podcast. Um, thankful to be here to share. Um, some insights to what I do, but also, you know, learn from you as we're speaking through our conversation. Yeah. I think it's so special what you do because you're, you know, you're not like a trained literacy teacher. You have come to find literacy through an alternative route. Would you tell us a little bit about that? So, um, you know, my, my background as an educator comes from my parents. Uh, my two parents are educators combined, I think, 60 years um, within the education um, you know, profession. My mother, she's this push reading, 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 right? But at the same time, <laughs> I I sort of like backed off from that. I struggled as a kid. Um, you know, even though I was gifted in that labeling uh world back then, but I struggled with reading and, and, and writing in, in certain aspects of my K through twelve schooling. Uh fast forward to when I have a son, you know, um in my almost eighth year at that time as an educator, school counselor. Um, and I just realized how much children were struggling with reading and writing. And I always remember my mom's strong story about you have to learn how to read. Uh, mm-hmm. we did get um, you know, uh locked down, I don't want to say that, but from the pandemic, and I realized how much my son was struggling. Um, so I already had created Mr. Lit the character just to bring some joy to literacy, you know, make mm-hmm. it lit as the, the kids would say, <laughs> say now. Right. Um, but then I learned more about I heard about the science of reading and I was Googling and following different pages on Facebook. And I found um, Faith Bukowski's high five um, literacy and academic coaching. Um, mm-hmm. So from there, I, I actually reached out to her. You know, we spoke and we're talking about some other initiatives. And I also said, well, my son is, you know, struggling right now. I learned that from being home in the pandemic. Can you just tell me what I should do for him? Um, 
from that point yeah. forward, you know, she actually uh, tutored him. You know, I, I contracted with her to get in touch and I got to get this. But from that experience, I learned so much. Um, and it just told me that this is the way all children should be taught how to, how to read. Um, and I, you know, as an educator and an activist, you know, I know it's not about just me or my family. It's about the greater good of all children, um, regardless of race and ethnicity, you know, or economic status. And I just wholeheartedly believe the literacy the science of reading so we can talk every school across the country. Yeah. Trey, I'm wondering what, what kinds of things did you see in your son? Like, how did you know? Because I think some parents don't even realize that their child is necessarily struggling with reading or think like, it'll, it'll get better. He's going to school. Like, they'll, mm, they'll take care of it. <laughs> like, what kinds sure, of things so did you see? It was actually two things. And I didn't know at the time that it was actually a, a sign of maybe the struggles maybe dyslexia, you know, I've never been, he's never been diagnosed, but his handwriting was, was, was very challenging. Um, mm -hmm. you know, at the time uh, he was in second grade, I believe. Um, and you know, he would read things at home. I could see him struggling. I was like this, you know, the quote unquote sight words, right. You know, those, those words that we should know, even though they do have ways in which we can sound through them. Um, mm -hmm. if we talk properly, but he was struggling with those words as well. And I'm just like, this doesn't make sense as much time as he's in school. You know, and as an educator, I know the time we spent. I was like, that's more yeah. than time to get it right. Um, he was in a private setting, small classroom. I'm like, this doesn't make sense. So it just, it was like a light bulb. Like, I have to do something for myself. Mm -hmm. And then what, like, what next step did you take after you realized he's in school for a lot of hours. It doesn't seem as though things are getting any better. And I imagine during the pandemic, you had that window in to what was happening. happening. So that probably was helpful. Yeah. And, and, and honestly, he is a little tech kid, um, which he loves technology. They were learning how to use Flipgrid at the time and, mm -hmm. you know, different online methods to submit work because we all were mm -hmm. home. So I was very impressed by that. Wow. But like I said, I was Googling things and just learning about the science of reading. And, you know, I knew it as a word then, it's just a term. You know, I still think sometimes people throw it out there too freely. Yes. You know, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but okay. I uh, you agree. <laughs> and, you know, when when uh, I met Faith Bukowski, um, you know, I just, you know, cliche was I had faith in her. Because I didn't really know her. <laughs> I met her, met her online, right? And I just said, can you help me? And I said, why well, yeah. not? I mean, we, we send our children to schools every day and really don't know the training of a teacher. Just mm -hmm. being honest, not being rude, mm -hmm. just being factual. Uh, we even pay for private schools and don't know the training there either. So I said, let's take a chance with someone else. Um, in about three or four sessions, she had him just growing. And it was just unbelievable. It was once a week uh, for just one hour a week, but it was mm -hmm. the right, um, the right structured, you know, education, you know, structured literacy. And mm -hmm. she just took her time and taught him the 44 sounds of the alphabet. I mean, it was just amazing. And I was going crazy. Like, this was like insane. You know, I used to say all the time, like, everyone can tell you the 26 letters of the alphabet, but no one can tell you the 44 sounds, right? Adults, mm -hmm. they always struggle. Like, 44 sounds, what do you mean? <laughs> you know? And they struggle. And I said, well, there we go. And then, yeah. from, and then she just started tutoring. And the rest is history. Uh, that's did so good. See, like, what kind of changes did you see in your son from that? Oh, man. Confidence. 
his confidence definitely changed um, dramatically. Like, you know, when he reads things or when he speaks, you know, he has more confidence. Or sometimes he'll, he'll see things online, he's reading through it, not just watching it. Now, it's just like, where did this come from, you know? <laughs> um, but it just made him a better a better young man at that, at that yeah. time. Yeah. What's interesting is that I know that a lot of folks who listen um, are, you know, are science of reading advocates or just learning about the science of reading. We, we have, you know, the gamut in our listeners and what you just described in him being able to obtain the systematic approach to reading in just a few hours isn't unheard of because it's that dedicated time. And he, you know, he's a little bit older, so he was filling in like gaps. Um, I, I, I toggle back and forth between the seeing on social media, the groups who are like, no, you know, kids need a lot of time to learn. And the groups between, you know, saying that kids don't need a ton of time. And our friends at, um, at Ebley, Nora Tabazi, who we've had on multiple times for uh, the reading documentary, she, she's a big advocate of exactly what you just said, Trey. It's, you know, a few targeted hours anywhere from, um, you know, she said to me like nine to 12 hours. And that is enough to help and fill in gaps um, and, and get that structured piece out there. I'm curious if in the the four hours, um, like, can, were you there? Can you describe what happened so, in those four hours? Yeah. So, so uh, Faith, you know, through her tutoring service, she um, asked the guardian, uh, parent, grandparent, whoever the child has um, to be present so they can also go through um, some of the practices and just learn. Oh. Um, That's so good. It was it was amazing, right? So it just forces you to be engaged. Like she won't, from my knowledge. Yes. She, she and trans- not, transparent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. it's not like, it doesn't feel like school, right? Where it's like, oh, I send my kid to school and I don't know what happens no, the majority yeah. of the day. <laughs> so she, that's so true. And, I mean, you know, she, she definitely, you know, um, from my knowledge, she doesn't uh, conduct any of the services without parents being present so they can also learn. Um, so I was learning as well. And then she gave him some assignments to do during the week, which were very simple, but she already had progressed him to get ready for that. It wasn't like just give you something to try to figure it out. She doesn't believe mm-hmm. that. You know, and honestly, as a former uh, athlete, student athlete, um, and, and a coach, I'm a firm believer that if you're taught the right way, you can learn anything. You know, mm-hmm. and I just think that goes hand in hand. Like, she didn't have to do a lengthy time. Um, could you become better at the skill with more time? You can. But yeah. to get to the basic level to be able to start and get kicking, you don't need a lot of time. You just need the right foundation to be set. Um, yeah. Can I? So I, I'm i going to make a, a... Melissa, this is the second time I've talked about body pump today with you. Um, <laughs> so Trey, I, I, <laughs> I teach body pump. And I always say perfect practice makes perfect. If you're doing a squat wrong for five years, you'll never get, you know, you never see it right. But if you do it right repeatedly, then, or, you know, you're on the right path repeatedly, then you'll see results and mm-hmm. you'll, you'll be practicing. To me, it's such an easy visualization for, for reading, so, you so- know, we're, we're filling it in. We're doing it right. The, the first time when we're practicing through instead of all of these incorrect or 
um, misaligned, not necessarily incorrect, like a misaligned approach so, to addressing the issue. I mean, I, I, I used to say that she, um, but I still believe this, but when it first happened, I was such in a shock and, you know, feeling so amazed by the, um, the growth that he was showing, but I, she rewired his brain, you know? Mm-hmm. So from what he was taught for the first three or four years of his schooling, you know, and things happen, you know, sometimes I was embarrassed as an educator. My wife was a little embarrassed, you know, even though my parents and even though my mom stressed reading, but you know, um, she wasn't there every day. And if we pay taxes, um, in a public education setting, you're just entrusting that things are going to be done right. And even if you don't pay, I mean, if you pay taxes, but additionally pay for private setting, you're, you're hoping that things are done right. And, and it's just what it is. But, you know, I don't blame it all on the teacher or I blame it on the training of the teachers mm-hmm. who are not getting. But I, I'm a firm believer, like I would argue this down with anyone, that if it's done correctly, you know, with the proper starting with the sounds and building the child up, you know, and then, you know, the phonemic awareness and everything that goes and such, like it just, it's amazing. Like any parent will want to see this, you know, um, happen for their child. It's just, it's just unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. Lori and I are right with you on the training. We talk about it all the time, <laughs> yeah. how we didn't receive the <laughs> training we needed and yeah. same with majority of teachers and, mm-hmm. and, we're, not, and we're not set think, up for success here. <laughs> yeah. And I think sometimes people who are making decisions, um, you know, they work hard to get the positions they have, you know, but can also financially afford the private tutoring and different things. And, Right. Unfortunately, sometimes they don't think about the people who are not ever going to be in those shoes, right? Um, and it just it hurts the generation over and over and over. Yeah, oh, it does. So, Trey, you're a school counselor, mm-hmm. is that right? I am. So, what what grades do you work with? So for for 10, almost 11 years, uh, I was a school counselor in the middle school um, from grades five through eight. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, my uh, the middle school I attended as a child. Aww. So it was, it was an amazing awesome. experience. Yeah, it was amazing a little coming, coming home, homecoming. Oh, yeah, it was amazing. Amazing experience. Um, but just recently, I um, accepted a position as a, a CTE counselor, career and tech education, mm-hmm. um, high school. Uh, it's amazing. I mean, I've only been there for a week or so now, and oh, the experience. Wow, yeah, thank you, thank you. <laughs> but it's just the experience is amazing. But even going back to literacy, you know, with the sixteen programs that we offer, you know, at our high school, um, which are, I mean, from network technology to culinary arts to building trades to allied health to health sciences to cosmetology to baking and pastry. I mean, you, you name it, exercise science. We have a teacher's academy. We have an early childhood program. Like, it's just amazing. Wow. But the, the students there, you know, um, should know how to read to be successful, right? It shouldn't just mm-hmm. be this is the tech school or the Votech or the right. CTE center. Like, we should be still pushing literacy no matter what. Yeah, That's a good point. It does often feel like the underlying message is... Well, you know, if they can't perform in school, then then the Votech is an option. But the reality is that we want every student to and I mean, every person to be able to read, regardless of what they choose to do as and, they you know continue on without 
after we're done in school. Mm -hmm. Because we think when we say hands-on environment, doesn't mean uh, less reading. It just means more (laughs) hands-on, you know? It doesn't doesn't mean it's going to be less reading and and writing necessary. It just means there's going to be more hands-on, you know, that gives a child an opportunity to show their strength that way. But you still have to be able to read and write. So have you had any interactions with kiddos who... You know, you might have realized that they were having behaviors because they couldn't read. And if so, would you feel comfortable sharing them with us? Yeah, I, I uh, through my course of my first, you know, 10 years, um, I've seen a lot of students, you know, and looking back at it. And even over the last two years, even though we were in a pandemic and, you know, virtual hybrid in person. Um, but there was times where I would, if a child came to the vice principal's office, you know, and we're sitting there meeting with the, the student. I would say, can you read this? You know, and yeah. I'm like, and they're like, mm, I'm why? you know, <laughs> and I would, and I would say to them like, well, that's why we have to be in class. Right. Cause we can't read or write. But now looking back on it, I feel embarrassed sometimes saying that because I try to pride myself in being a solution focused individual, but I'm sending you back into a classroom where a teacher might not have the skills to teach you how to, read you know and i'm saying you need to be back in there and you're not even having that that opportunity to learn it and there's no one's fault but the the teaching right the the the, um, the training you know we have to do better with our training practices and there are some districts who are doing it but we have to get better overall yeah i you know what it's i do you think that other kids notice i'm curious about that like you obviously notice from an adult perspective, mm-hmm. but do you think that other kids in the class notice that the kid who's struggling is struggling mm-hmm. because they can't, they are unable to read or, or something of the sort they're, they're avoiding the, that. By all means, the easiest way it goes, it goes to, it's twofold, right? But as for a teacher, the easiest way to understand a child struggles with a reading um, is usually asking a child to read out loud. Right. And then you'll know that the child can can read. But on the same token, when you do that, if it's not in the privacy of a one on one conversation, if you do that in the classroom and other kids are, are watching that, oh, man, they're going to pick on them. And not want to say bully, but yeah. they could. But the child feels embarrassed. Um, you know, I know there was times when I was a kid when it was time to read the story out loud, I put my head down. I would act like I was sleeping. I did all that. The avoidance. Right. You know, I then, felt that way, and I was a good reader in yeah, elementary school, and exactly. it, it still stressed me out. Exactly, right? Exactly. So think about what you're going through when you're growing and, you know, the social emotional aspect of a child at that time. So you were saying that from being a strong reader, Melissa, and I'm saying it from an individual who wasn't a strong reader. But I think what happens is kids will pick, and as soon as they say, if Melissa says, oh, Trey, you can't read, ah, right? Mm-hmm. What happens then? Then I, I come back at you and say something, and then it becomes a verbal match in the classroom, which could become physical, and then now this kid's a behavior problem, and it's labeled, and really we're not getting to the root. You know, we, got, we have to mm-hmm. get to the root of the cause, otherwise we're just, we're playing with our fingers. Yeah. I, I had linked an article as we were talking during the pre-call tray um, by Stephen Dykstra, and it it made me think of our conversation. And a small piece of it, uh, I'll I'll paraphrase it. Like as a girl told him in a session with him 
you know, she could live with all of the trauma that she had experienced. She could get over years of sleeping on the floor or being homeless and hungry because in time, all of that would get further and further behind her. But not being able to read was every day forever and it never went away. So it would be there again tomorrow and just constantly in her life, the way that trauma might not be. And that was so powerful. I, you know, I just think that's exactly what you're speaking about. There's this, it, even, you know, there's things that can come with us that maybe dim um, as time goes on, like traumas that dim, but this is a trauma that haunts us every single day. If, if you're struggling to read. I mean, prime example, as I spoke earlier of being a former student athlete, um, there are, you know, guys, um, girls and women and men who uh, play professional sports, right? And you notice sometimes they struggle with reading and writing. So that's the example right there. They come from environments that sometimes are very challenging with the trauma, the violence, um, a lot of, you know, drugs, some of the surrounding is just very challenging. But you're able to move out of that surrounding. You know, you become financially stable to some extent um, when you sign these big contracts, but you can't read certain things. You know, and you're you're asking somebody to help you. And it's not bad to ask for help. I, I, I truly believe that's a good thing in life. But, you know, a, a basic skill, because we're not asking everybody to be able to write a 20 page paper for the rest of our life. We're asking you to be able to survive reading, you know, the, the, the items in the supermarket or reading the back of your prescription. So, you know, what you're. You know, which what, what, what the doctors prescribe for. Those are know, not easy things. to read. <laughs> they're not. They're not. They're not. They're, they're not. They're not. You know, and that's the word in itself. But but even like just the back of your the items you purchase, like just certain things, like mm-hmm. people can't can't read, and you know, yeah. just, just we assume it, but they they really can't because they they survive with their. The oratory skills, right? Their verbal skills have allowed them to survive in life. And majority of the time yeah. we are speaking with people. We're not always now. Well, today's world, we're emailing and texting and stuff. But, you know, it's still more of a conversation. You can still skirt by. I mean, you know, there's mm-hmm. there's oral dictation features on pretty much everything. Everything. And you yeah. just never know, you know, um, and people really struggle. And you can notice mm-hmm. it sometimes. And. Just being honest, when you look at punctuation, when people are on like social media and don't use their periods and, you know, yeah. they're still showing the struggle that they have. It's not like they're rushing through it and forgot. It's it's the struggle. It's the reality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. You make me think back to my middle school kids and, <laughs> you know, so often I think we, you know, I mean, there were always students that were trying to, you know, they were behavior problems. I put that in air quotes because, you know, we, we would just deal with that behavior though. I always, I felt like we were always just like, you know, like you said, send them to the principal's office. What do they get a detention or, you know, it's like, we're always just dealing with the behavior. And I don't think we ever really dug down to, you know, we would try to help them be successful in the, the, the class, right? Like, let me help you get, make sure you pass my class, but we never really dove deeply into like, <laughs> what is what's going on what's the, here <laughs> yeah, i mean we, right i was just going to say we we you know we um we never suspend a child because they can't read right but we suspend them or we discipline them or give them consequences or they they fail to meet the norms of a building um, mm-hmm. because of behaviors 
And then those behaviors really stem down to it. A lot of the students just can't succeed, you know, and I don't know. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm not the uh, dean of a school or, you know, dealing with all behaviors all times. I, I'm more of a supportive factor as a counselor. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, I mean, we have to look at behaviors when kids are acting out, you know, I mean, excuse me, look at their, 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 their reading skills, you know, when kids are, yeah. are acting out. Yeah. You know. As an, like an underlying what's happening. And Correct. then I, th- I think you're right. It, it can also be misinterpreted to, well, let's help them get through this class mm-hmm. or let's help this immediate hurdle. But really there's a bigger, a bigger foundational, like structural piece missing that needs some support. Mm-hmm. I'm curious how this kind of translates in your opinion, Trey, to social emotional learning. Like how is science of reading social emotional? Um, and, and what do you see in your everyday practice that aligns to that? So, I mean, as I spoke earlier, I think it goes hand in hand with behaviors and everything, but you know, there's, there's so much, um, untapped, uh, opportunities in our brain that we don't use and fulfill to the full potential. And obviously reading helps you get there. It's one of the, the easiest ways to do brain activities and, you know, strengthen your, your mind. And, you know, that also comes with confidence, right? If you can read certain things, you know, there's self-help books out here that people can read and, and become so strong mentally with. And I'm firm believer that you can learn stuff from YouTube and all that. But at the end of the day, when you're able to write stuff and read stuff, it's, it's still hand in hand, the, the best way to, to operate in this society that we live in, you know, and we have to be honest, this is the American society mm-hmm. where a lot of things are written. It's not just all pictures, right? It's not all videos, you know, there's documentations that you have to be able to read, you know, and if you don't know how to read, you know, you'll, I don't know, you'll fall behind. You'll fall mm-hmm. behind. For sure. I'm, uh, I'm wondering, is that, the, was that the impetus for you uh, starting your Lit Chance book club? <laughs> I so, was just like, I was like, can we talk about the book club yet? <laughs> I know. I know. Melissa's like, I want to talk about the book club so bad. It's just so bad. I could see it. So the, the book club, um, well, one thing, the, the, the barber in the book club, if anybody's watched, um, there'll mm-hmm. probably be a link to the book club. And, and mm-hmm. there. But the Lip Champs we'll uh, <laughs> the, the, the uh, book club um, was started from a conversation I had with uh, my barber um, here in Narstown, Pennsylvania, uh, at Goodfellas Barbershop. So cool. Jock, Jock Golson. So we were talking about that. I actually wrote a children's book um, called Cheesecakes and Clippers, which talks about the barbershop experience. What? So, yeah, yeah, write that down. Melissa, you must have missed those posts on social media. I did. I did. <laughs> I wrote a, a children's book. I'm um, also from outside Philadelphia originally, so okay. it's like oh, even okay. better for me. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, uh, Cheesecakes and Clippers. Um, I actually have a second version coming out in May, but the first one was released back in uh, May 2020. Um, and this one will be released May 2022. But, you know, from that experience, and we talked about reading in the barbershop, and, and then I was going through the process with Ernesto, my son. Um, and, you know, we, we talked like more about literacy. And I said, well, listen, and I met Faith. So during yeah. that time, Faith wrote a book called If, if I Only Would Have Known. And 
in in that book, it just talks about. There you go. There you go. There's the book. I got. I got it. We both have it. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, that book is so powerful. Um, it's so it's awesome. Yeah, I know. It is amazing. I mean, she did a tremendous job of simplifying mm-hmm. um, the process to uh, see if your child has dyslexia. Um, also, knowing how to advocate for your child. You know, yeah. to get the right reading. Um, process. So from there, you know, that book, and it was an easy read. And honestly, not many guys, there's some guys in book cl- clubs, but not often <laughs> in my community do people talk about book clubs, right? If, if Yeah. Mostly it's like the the women in the neighborhood trucking down the one house with bottles of wine. Right. And they're like, <laughs> correct. Right? I mean, that's, yeah. that's my vision of it. There are some guys who have book clubs, um, but they're usually high level academic uh, achievers, mm-hmm. right? So they're reading, but this was just something where I said, listen, this is easy. We can do it. It's only like three little chapters or stories they call them in the book. Mm-hmm. So we did it like once a week. Um, but the results were just eye opening, right? Cause we had, there was only two educators in the, the lip chance and mm-hmm. um, we're both actually counselors. So we're not like trained in, in, in reading right. or literacy, um, but we just started talking about it and it just opened up like an amazing discussion and dialogue. And, you know, fortunately, the, the reviews have been tremendous. People across the, clo- the globe, honestly, have have watched this video and they're just like, this is unbelievable. Like you, you all are talking about amazing things for all children. Right. And yes, there are four to five of us, usually definitely four of us, you know, sometimes mm-hmm. it's five. Um, and we all are African-American uh, men, you know, but it wasn't just about African-American children. It was about all children deserve the right to read. We did, mm-hmm. you know, hone in and talk about that in certain aspects um, because sure. there are some uh, oppression and, you know, systematic ways that are affecting those communities more um, right. However, the overall was that this is a a crisis that affects every body, no matter your race or, or color. I also think it was amazing to be able to watch it. I commend your your bravery and you know willingness to put it out there because it was. I mean, the, the way that it was captured was so authentic, and that's what I think was appealing about it. It was just watching these dads have a real conversation about a book they read and. I just, I, that was awesome. I loved how authentic you all were. I uh, appreciate it. Yeah. We're just trying <laughs> to, you know, be honest. Um, you know, it's, 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 it's hard when you, when you start learning the facts, right. And you, and you realize, um, that maybe yourself and your, your child or your children, you know, and maybe the future of other children are not being prepared, um, to the full potential. And it's not like put pointing fingers. The only place, like we said earlier, is about the training for teachers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it's just, it was such one of those like aha moments. And even as an educator, and they say, be careful what you say and different things. And I, and I get that, but there's a certain point in life where you have to stand up for what you believe in, no matter your occupation. Right. And, you know, it's not like you want to, you want to lose your job or do something that will jeopardize, you know, your sake, but, when wrong is wrong, you have to be able to speak up. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's what, like when I read Faith's book too, I, you know, I feel like I 
I feel like I know a lot about literacy, but maybe not. <laughs> but even I like took away, like, what are the questions to ask? You know, it, it walks through a conversation with a pediatrician, a preschool teacher and a librarian. Um, and I didn't, I, you know, I at first was like pediatrician. Like, I don't, I don't even know why they're having a conversation with a pediatrician. Um, so it was eye opening to like, like to know what questions to ask these people about what you're seeing in your child. And I, I, I know, I'm just wondering what you all, like, did well, you all come into some big ahas around that too? We did. And, uh, and, and that's the thing that I would, you know, always praise uh, Faith about, um, you know, it's because she's able to simplify the, mm-hmm. the it was so easy to so understand. Easy. Yeah. So and, easy. And, and, and I think um, she also teaches advocacy through that story like you said no a lot of times you know and i believe this wholeheartedly the the answer is always in the right question right Mm -hmm. and if you don't know how what the question should be or what to ask like you're never going to get that answer especially if people are not willing to tell you the truth well you didn't ask me that you know you asked me this so yeah she teaches all that in that book and i mean the book is i mean my son is a fourth grade he can read will he understand the in-depth thing that i thought would maybe not but he can read the book you know yes it's it's very uh digestible i you know and i found it illuminating because i so i went i took i was read this book and then presley had her 10th uh checkup at the doctor and then you know that they're asking the questions and one of the questions was how are grades and you know, I was like, well, you know, they're really good. Um, we also place a, you know, big emphasis on effort. And then I was waiting for a reading question. Like, you know, do you, do you struggle any, and it was just like, you know, on to the next question. And I thought, oh, I bet she doesn't know the questions to ask. So I am going to purchase copies of these for my new doctor's office, wow. because I think it's super important that every single doctor, I mean, especially because the county where they're working is a balanced literacy district that uses uh, readers and writers workshop. So lots of kids are probably struggling and they don't even know. And they, again, that doctor probably doesn't know the question to ask. So I'm hoping that this can at least begin to illuminate, you know, I feel like even if, you know, it always feels like when you're an advocate or an activist, you're like, I need to do this big gesture. But to me, I was like, this is like a small gesture. I can just drop the books off and send them home with all the the doctors there. You know, that's a a very small thing that hopefully will will make a bigger difference. I mean, I, Mm I think, I think, you know, like you said, I'm I'm insane like you, like uh, as an advocate, you you, you want to like say let's do this big thing, and sometimes that doesn't always happen. But let's save the world. Yeah, let's save the world. <laughs> let's save the world. But to me, like when we have our um, like back to school list and, and supplies, you know, we never give anything to the parents to help support the child. Mm. We say go get a folder, go get your pencils, go get your markers, right? But what do you give to the parents to help support their children? Uh, imagine if we sent parents home with this book. Bingo. Imagine what that would do. Mm. You know, if you if you sent parents home or said here is a recommended reading, or even if you made it mandatory, I don't know how you would do that, but you know what I mean. Like stress the importance yeah. of that. And when you have your PFC meetings and you know, um or your parent teacher association meetings, have a book a book discussion on it, right? And just talk about it. And you know, it might bring out some hard conversations that people don't want to have. 
but you're going to engage the parents. And if we say, and I know I say it as a counselor, the parent is the number one supporter or the guardian for a child, you know, we have to put them in a position where they can, you know, be there for their child. If not, it's, it's like you said earlier about doing the wrong exercise for five years. It's not going to change anything if we don't give them the tools. Yeah. And don't, and don't blame the parents, right? I mean, you, you illuminate that in a great example uh, when I spoke with you in the pre-call and you want to share it now with the basketball? Sure. Yeah. I, I, as you know, I mentioned earlier, I mean, I'm way beyond my student athlete years, but you know, <laughs> we all are, we all are. Don't worry. Way We're with so. you. <laughs> I play on like a 40 year old soccer team. Okay. One thing I will say, um, and I mentioned that in our pre-call is, you know, when you take your, your children or your child to youth sports, which is the, one of the biggest industries in this country, it's like $15 billion. It's crazy, right? But mm-hmm. when you take your child there um, and you drop them off, and, you know, often you stay for practice or for games, but you're never questioned by the coach. Um, what did you teach your child before they get here? If they got here, or, you know, when, when, when practice is over, the coach would just say, hey, work on what I taught you here. You know, um, if you don't, I'll work on it with your next practice, right? It's never such an emphasis on the parents. And I think sometimes in education, because we're struggling, even the teachers are, you know, but we're so quick to say, well, what, did, what did you do at home with your child? Do you read mm-hmm. with them? Do you write with them? Do you do this? And it's just like myself personally, I try to eliminate that. And I just say, if you're in my care, from my sports background, it's like, what can I do right now to make you successful? Um, you yeah. know, I, was, I was actually talking with a young man today and, you know, he's had some challenges in the past in his life, you know, and I said, I don't know you from there. I only know you from today's conversation and I have to go forward to make you the best I can, you know? So that's just how I believe. I mean, I'm raised by a coach. My father was a track coach, you know, so I, it's all ingrained in me that way. Um, but I just wish teachers, more teachers, would have that approach. That however the child is sent to school, you know, as one of my former um, supervisors and you know uh, leaders of my school district, she said the parents give us their best. You know, sometimes people didn't believe that. What do you mean? But I, 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 I truly believe when she made that statement years ago. You know, when I was new in the profession, you know, I was listening. But now I wholeheartedly because you would do more if you could. You would. Yeah. Yeah, I think everybody's doing the best they can with the with the resources that they have they and have. with with what they have. Yeah, because if I would have known about the science of reading when my son was three years old, or whatever, I would have done it then, but I didn't. Right. So it's a, it's the same example, you know. For sure. Once I learned it, I took advantage of it. Hmm. So Trey, you are all over social media. You're very active and you are a joyful presence. Would you mind sharing your, your Instagram and your, your Instagram, what is it? Handle? It's, tw- yeah. it's a Twitter handle. What is Instagram? I think it's the same thing. I think it's a handle. Is it a handle? Well. Yeah, I believe show, so. I, I, got, I, got ner- I got really nervous saying it. I'm like, is it a, is it a handle? I believe I don't know. so. We're not cool enough for this conversation. Um, my, uh, my Instagram and my Twitter uh, handle. Is the same. Um, it's, <laughs> it's at <laughs> at Mister uh, Lit Edu, um, and it's M R L I T E D U. 
Perfect. Um, I will link you, obviously. Are you on Facebook? I am I'm actually not on Facebook. Um I just we're having uh Instagram and Twitter and LinkedIn. Yeah, it's wow. very busy. I'm just like, <laughs> what more can you know, unless they can just you know, have, and they do have apps that you can just push one button, but it's just a lot. It's, <laughs> now, you have the, yeah. now you have the metaverse, and you have Horizon Worlds, and I mean, it's just going to keep. So I said, we're going to have a little bit of privacy, and I said, well, Facebook, you're going to go bye bye, and I'll just keep the other two as of now. I think that that's that's good a good choice. idea. Less is more, and do it well. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I've, I've been, you know, I've, I've been successful to uh, reach people. Um, the goal, you know, and, and sometimes we say it's not about likes and followers and, and all that. And, and, it, and it truly isn't. But you do when you put out content, you hope to get good feedback. And, mm-hmm. and that's what you hope. You know, even if it's two or three people, but if they're giving you a good feedback that you're hoping that it, you know, you do it for a reason. Right. You want to touch people. You want to move people. And that's the profession. I'm in. I'm in education, you know, and it's never about the money there because we're under, we're underpaid. You know, we, we all know that for what we, yeah. for what we're tasked to do, we're, we're, we're tasked to change the world, right? We're tasked to help the next generation. Like that's, that's, you know, we do brain surgery, literally, right? You teach the children how to, to learn. And rewire their brain. We rewire yeah. their brain, right? We, we do brain surgery and, you know, to make sure that they're on the right path. And, you know, obviously we're not paid to where we should be, but in that profession, we're here about helping. And, and I just try to share things that can help others. Um, and sometimes it gets great reviews. Sometimes I don't hear anything and it doesn't mean people aren't reading stuff, you know, so mm-hmm. just continue to share the yeah. good. I, I truly believe that. It means that every teacher who scrolls through is exhausted right now. And I know, you know, I do like what you're saying. I just don't feel like commenting right now. You know? Like all I can do is double click and That's we're good it. to go. <laughs> and just know I'm paying attention. That's it. But, you know, um, you know, I just, uh, I'm thankful for the following. That's yeah. Great. So, Trey, we always ask our, list, our guests to leave one piece of advice for our listeners. I don't know oh, if you man. have it ready or not. I can always, uh, like, sure. stall for time. No, but. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, I mean, honestly, um, pick up that book. If that book right there, mm, if, if I only would have known, Faith Bukowski's yeah. book. If only know. what I... If only I would have known uh, yeah. what I wish the pediatrician, the preschool teacher, and the librarian would have told me about language literacy and dyslexia. There's the full title, but I'll link it to you. Yeah, that, that right there is like, you know, um, to some extent, whether people, you know, depend on your religious and faith background, but that's like the Bible of the foundation for learning to me, you know, because yeah. the, the individuals on Lit Champs who had no clue about literacy prior, I mean, the, the barber himself, he knows about the codable books now. He talks about phonics. It was so cool. Oh, I knew I loved it. Man, yeah, he talks they about They were phonics. talking like they knew. No. Yeah, they're like, yeah. oh, I'm going to get these going. I'm oh, like, yes, get the, get the book. Yeah, he, gets, he has <laughs> phonics. I mean, it's to the point now where we're in the process with the help of faith again, honestly. That's why I said she's, she's just, when it comes to literacy, there's not many people better than her out here. Yeah. But um, she was able to make a connection that they're going to um, one of a company I can't think of the name right now. I apologize, but I think it's Phonics something. But maybe long story short, they're going to be donating um, Phonics and decodable books to the barbershop. Oh, that's so cool. <gasps> yes. Yeah. 
Yeah. Oh, that's so that's exciting. Right. Oh, yeah. oh, my gosh. Yeah. Do you I'm, know, Trey, that we're talking with Faith? Yeah. She, she's, she's agreed to talk with us, too, to, as like a follow-up from this conversation because wow. you were so inspirational. So thank you for connecting us with her. Oh, wow. No, <laughs> listen, it's, it's uh, you're going to have a great conversation with her. I promise you that. Um, but, no, so we always talk. And one thing I'll say on my, my last note that Melissa said, what's your last advice? But, last you know, <laughs> we have to get away from um, reading with the child or when we say we're going to mentor a child. And I just want to hear a child. Like, so now we're saying teaching a child to read. Right. And that's the goal in a barbershop. Like, it's not just to, you know, have some books there so the kids can look through a book. Like, we, we want to teach them how to read, you know, and that's that's the, the objective. And I think it's going to happen. I mean, it's it's. I'm not sure how many books will be donated, um, but this will be, in my opinion, one of the first barbershops in in a predominantly black and brown, you know, environment that has decodable books, you know, in the environment. I mean, there's some barbershops that already have books, so I'm not going to say we're the first mm-hmm. to ever do that, but to have decodable books in a barbershop, in communities that don't even really talk about, like, most people don't even know what decodable books are. I mean, it's right. just... It's game changing, you know. And I've yeah. already told the barber, I said, Jock, man, get ready. You're gonna be on the news and everything, man. I said, people wanna come talk to you. He's like, I'm ready. So he's, he's excited. I know. That's awesome. I'm already trying to think about ways we could get a donor's choose for him so that he could give these out to all of his clients. Oh, man, if you can Wouldn't pull, that be so cool? Man, that would be cool. That would be amazing. If you can if you can pull that off, that would be like That'd be godsend. It's on on my post-it note. Oh, wow. (laughs) I'm going to work on it. Yeah. I feel like that. I don't know how hard that is. Well, you know what? We started a podcast. We can figure that out, too. I mean, that would be amazing. (laughs) You know, I think, you know what? Melissa and I are both from outside of Philadelphia. She's PA. I'm Jersey. So that's a a special place in our hearts. Hey, man. Listen, well, listen, if if it means that much, please try to make it happen. Because I think that would be amazing. You know, and even if it was something where you know uh four books a month that you can give out to customers and i know that Something, sounds yeah you know the amount of people who come in there that sounds small but i think about just once a week you know because okay. the potential of that is that they're going to tell somebody you need to go get this book so that's going to grow right. automatically so you know and then if you have four and 12 what is that 36 you know just think about how that's going to grow and then someone else is going to say okay let's go to two books a month i mean two books a week instead of you know you know one book a week and then that's eight books now it's going to happen and then when people see it it's just going to it will start pouring in he's going back i don't know what to do i just gotta (laughs) take them all you know it's just going to be amazing yeah good thing good things multiply right i believe that truly um, before we before we hop off, I have one last question that is not I didn't prep you for this, Trey. Oh, <laughs> you wrote a book called Cheesesteaks and Clippers. What's your favorite cheesesteak place? Oh man, so <laughs> shucks. So I'm like, oh goodness. But now ironically, um I am more of a vegetarian man now. Uh, <gasps> me too. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so even though, you know, sometimes I have my days where I slip, but I'm more of a, <laughs> a, a veggie man now. Um, but growing up as a as a kid uh, here in Norristown, uh, Pennsylvania, my, my favorite place was Via Venitos. Um, it's a local pizzeria. Uh, I used to love getting cheesesteaks from there, chicken cheesesteaks. Um 
you know, just love to go chicken cheesesteak too. Yeah. I love I miss the Philadelphia I, I used to. Yes. <laughs> I know. We so, don't have good pizza places. Oh man, that, that, uh, up there was have you been? Have you been to Tony's where they put the, the, the quote sauce on, on the top and the cheese is in, like the grated cheese is in the middle? It's not even like mozzarella. It's just the grated cheese. <laughs> mozzarella. Look at you. Mozzarella. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, I, I have not. I'm actually um, biased to some of the places in Philadelphia. <laughs> you know, my, my hometown is about 15, 20 minutes away. And I would arguably say that our food, you know, is probably better than some of the big That's names fair. in the city oh um, yeah so I, all right I, I well i'm gonna have to take take names for next time i'm up there okay okay <laughs> I, you, you will not be disappointed if you come to Northtown, <laughs> pennsylvania and get a cheesesteak from vivanito's uh, pizzeria <laughs> you won't be all right. Well, thank you. I feel Great. like they should sponsor us here. <laughs> hey, link, link, link them in the uh, in the show notes. They have like an Instagram right? page and everything. You I'm never know. Love it. You never know. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I love it. Thank you so much, Trey. This is such an informative, joyful conversation. We appreciate your time. Yes, oh, thank, thank you. you. Anytime, you know. I just thank thanks you for, for everything me. you're doing. Thank you. Thank you. And just thank you both um, for allowing me to, to share my experience with the world. Um, I'm just thankful. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for listening, literacy lovers. Remember, we have a new episode out every Friday, and we send a super helpful newsletter with follow up content each Tuesday. Be sure to visit our website to subscribe to our newsletter and podcast. It's literacypodcast.com. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Literacy Podcast. And please reach out with questions or ideas for podcast episodes. We love hearing from you. Melissa, what's our email address? Melissa and Lori at literacypodcast.com. We are so glad you're here to learn with us.